Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Hello, you lovely lot. Before we crack on with this week's episode, I just wanted to share with you some wonderful news that my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, has turned one. Now, for me, this feels like a graduation. It feels like, you know, it's, it's pretty big things. But I think the thing is, is in podcasting terms, I think I think a year's running is, is pretty cool. And I want to celebrate and I want to celebrate with you. So throughout April 2021, I am offering any of my online courses at a 50% discount. Now, all the details are in the show notes, but I just wanted to give you a quick heads up. I have four courses at the minute and another one in the pipeline, but four courses. One is Beat Your Anxiety, kygram.com forward slash anxiety. Another one is Breathe Through Your Big Emotions, kygram.com forward slash breathe. The third one is Crack Your Confidence, kygram.com forward slash confidence. You can see the pattern here, can't you? And the fourth one is self-care, the art of putting yourself first, kygram.com forward slash self-care. And the thing is, is that if you, uh, basically, the, it, it does what it says on the tin, but you can go and have a look at the information and sort of see if it, if it tickles your fancy. But in the checkout, just type in the coupon code 5050. That's two words together, F-I-F-T-Y, F-I-F-T-Y. So this is just a way of saying Thank you for listening to me. And if you need one of these courses, grab it in April because it's 50% off. So without further ado, let's get on with this episode. Much love. I am so excited today because I have the wonderful Harris Hill here speaking with me about parenting non-binary children. And let me just introduce Harris to you. Harris is a 30-something-year-old non-binary person from Hertfordshire here in the UK. Harris realised they were trans non-binary in their mid-twenties and have since made the commitment to becoming the advocate they needed but never had. To date, Harris has taught and coached a whopping 30,000 people in their mission to educate the general population about gender identity. An entrepreneur and a seasoned LGBTQ plus advocate, Harris is dedicated to making every story as familiar to us as our own. So why gender identity? Well, homelessness, suicide and poor mental health affect the trans and non-binary community as, at a disproportionate rate. And Harris is dedicated to improving those odds. The biggest reasons that trans and non-binary people are at such a high risk of poor well-being is because of cultural transphobia, which looks like a lack of acceptance, a lack of acknowledgement, exclusion and a high occurrence of hate crimes and discrimination. 
Now, we can all help to change that problem collectively by becoming more educated, and here's the podcast, and actively working together to make sure our homes, schools and places of work are passionately inclusive to our community. Beyond that, we also need to think about the structural changes that need to take place within our societies for equality to be possible. So, Harris, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me on. So I am going to ask some, probably sort of in your mind, sort of maybe some fairly standard questions. And we're just sort of, yeah, we're just going to sort of ha- have a sort of general chat. But I think the reason is, and as you sort of said, it's your mission, is to probably educate sort of families and especially parents of non-binary kids so that their path is a little bit smoother. Would that be fair to say? Yes, definitely. And not only smoother, but we often talk in terms of survival rate. But actually, I think beyond surviving, we should all be thriving, whether we're trans, non-binary or not. And I think thriving, thriving is important. I think the bare minimum shouldn't really be the goal. Yeah. So tell me, Harris, what can I just sort of start off with a very basic, what is non-binary? So non-binary is an umbrella term and encompasses any gender identity that doesn't fit neatly or at all into the traditional categories of man, woman, boy or girl. Right. Okay. So is that different to trans then? So trans and transgender is another umbrella term, which in its most inclusive and broadest sense is basically anybody who was gendered incorrectly at birth okay so if you have a look at in my pdf i've done a little infographic so that you can kind of get your head around it but to describe it it's a one big umbrella with trans or transgender and then underneath are two little umbrellas one is binary and one is non-binary so the binary covers like trans men and women and the non-binary covers the rest of us who have other identities besides man or woman so you mentioned that PDF, and I'm going to make that available for people in the show notes. So if they, they want to sort of find out a little bit more, and um, the show notes will indeed have all your contact details, but maybe if someone's sort of, you know, wanting to have something concrete in their hand, then they can download that information. Tell me this, Harold, because I, um, I've i got a, a number of parents who are asking me various questions and, you know, through contacting me privately or through my Facebook group. And my son, daughter, child, should I say, is has sort of just come out and they say that they're trans or they say that they're non-binary. Is this just a phase that they might be going through? And is it all right to, for me not to get too overwhelmed? And maybe I should just let's see if they sort of grow out of it. What's our response? What's, you know, what should we be saying to parents <clears throat> who sort of think maybe it's just a phase? Because we haven't really heard collectively, we haven't really heard terribly much about it until recently, have we, the last few years? Yeah, I mean, the predominant thing that I would say is that by the time somebody's told you, they've likely thought about it for a really, really, really long time. And I don't know where this phase idea comes from. I mean, you know, it's often historically the phase idea has also been used for people who have come out as bisexual or gay or lesbian or whatever when they're younger. And I think I don't really know where that comes from, this idea that, oh, it might be a phase. I have no idea where that comes from. I would say that 
it's very likely that if somebody's gone to the effort of coming out to you, they're not messing around. Because that in itself, even if you've got the most accepting parent, we're still brought up in a society that kind of favours stories of straight people and non-trans people, also known as cisgender people. So I think even in the best environment in the world, coming out is still extremely difficult. And it often takes a lot of courage and a lot of time and, and a lot of really digging deep. So I think it's unlikely. And also, I think that can be quite invalidating. I think from the side of somebody who's had to come out more than once, you've possibly been thinking about this for years or you've possibly yeah. been feeling this way or having experiences for years in secret. So to, to finally come out and think, oh, God, I finally said it. And to be met with, yeah, I'm not sure how seriously I take that is yeah. very frustrating. No judgment to parents who think that. One of my parents said that to me as a teenager when I came out about my sexuality. So, you know, I didn't die. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing fell off, but it wasn't, it's not the greatest thing. I think it's unlikely that somebody's saying it to you for effect. Yeah. Generally, in the work that I've done, in the thousands of people that I've spoken to, People going through a phase isn't, isn't particularly common. But I would also add that if somebody is exploring a side of themselves, then I would really encourage people to do that. If you take a year or so of your life to really consider your gender identity, and it turns out that after all that time, you think, no, I, I have come back. I have come back to my assigned gender, and actually they got it right. Then I think that's great. I think to have gone through that process of really considering it is probably going to do you good anyway because you have come to realizations about what's authentically you and and what are expectations that actually you're not particularly into or not particularly happy with so if this is a an exploration that we all go through at, at some point or another or just consider even if it's only for a day then I think that we're all better off for it and I think for some of us who have been correctly assigned at birth and have not felt the need to query it or just it hasn't even crossed their mind, I think potentially then it's the sort of, oh, well, you see, I'm labelled as this. So once you found your label, dear, then you, you know, you you must be sort of fine. But I think as you describe it, for, for many, rightly so, it's a journey. And I, I had one mum sort of saying, well, I just got used to calling them they and, and you know, and, and sort of now it's all changed. And, you know, they just really can't make up their mind. And it's a sort of, it was sort of quite dismissive. And I think the thing is, is that, as you sort of say, being able to explore what's going on is so vital um, for anyone, really, just to know um, where they sit and where they feel comfortable. And as you rightly say, that once they've sort of come to a conclusion it might not be the final destination anyway mm. yeah definitely and I, I think that it's quite common to start exploring with one idea in mind because you've heard it and you thought oh that rings some bells and you explore it and you think some of this is working for me but it, it might not be the whole picture you know and when you've not had that education and that time from early on um not only are you exploring those things, but you're also untangling the years of 
kind yeah. of programming and, and the things and habits and things you've been used to before that point. So um, <clears throat> it's a very difficult thing. You know, you, you could be, I think most people undertake something like this in earnest. And I think you could have the most uh, analytical and, and very honest attitude to the whole thing. And still, it might take you years to really settle on where you're going to be. Um, I know that for me, like the first word that I like, that I sort of felt was right was genderqueer, because for me, it encompassed this idea of like a mosaic of different traits. Oh, OK. Yeah. But then after a while, each of those traits that I sort of valued, I realized that some of those I was doing because I'd been told to. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really me. And, and other ones were really me, but actually they weren't gendered things. They were things that anybody could be or anybody could like. And then eventually I just sort of thought, well, I don't have a, a connection to gender at all. So I ended up settling with uh, a gender, meaning genderless. Right. OK. Because um, in, in the intro, um, it, we said um, that you realised that you were trans non-binary in your mid-twenties. So are you comfortable, are you able to sort of chat about that and sort of tell us what your story is or was and is? Is that is that something yeah. you're comfortable speaking about? Yeah, sure. So um, I never really got it. I, I felt like all of my life I kind of conformed because I was a kind of, began to understand what was expected of me and what people meant when they said things but it it never felt quite right and I remember even in my teens and early 20s trying to do girl (laughs) yeah um you know really passionately I really gave it a good go but it just never it never fit I, I always felt like an imposter and I always felt like, am I doing this right? And I would sort of look at um, women that I knew and watch what they did and thought, well, maybe I could get into that. And I would try sort of different ways of dressing or um, different ways of being. And it, and it was always just short lived because it wasn't it wasn't real. And um, I remember even as a as a child I would have dreams and I would wake up and this was before I even knew about gender identity or being transgender or anything like that and I would have these dreams about being a boy and I would wake up and ask myself am am I a boy really and then I didn't even know that was a thing I thought I was the only one but the answer was always no so I never could quite work it out and then I've shared this before but I think it was just before my 18th birthday I realised that after that point, I would be legally referred to as a woman. And I was absolutely horrified. It filled me with such a feeling of like, I felt like I was in a symphony where all the instruments were nails on chalkboards. It was really horrendous. And I thought, that's weird. Why do I feel like that? And I thought, well, maybe I'll just get used to it. Maybe it's just a surprise. And uh, I was in my mid-twenties. I was working, uh, I had a morning job working in uh, an engineering office. And I was on Facebook, as is essential when you're working in engineering. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I came across a word that I didn't know. I Googled it and it led me to this entire list of um, different gender identities. I'd never even read it before. I'd never heard about anything like that. And as I read it, I flushed hot and instantly I was like, oh, it's me. And I literally had this, it, it was such a surreal and also kind of divine experience of coming home to myself and finally making sense. So on an emotional and intuitive level, I knew, I knew exactly without a shadow of a doubt, I was like, this is absolutely me. But then after that moment had kind of subsided, I had so many questions and I like most adults that I end up teaching, um, I had no clue where to start and so many questions about what everything meant and how to do this. That, that, that was going to be my next question is, you know, so suddenly the light, the light bulb goes on. But what do you do after that? Where do you go? What do you, do you announce it to the world or do you start looking for more information or if there's support out there? What, what, do, you, what do you do with that? Where do you turn? I didn't know. I mean, the first thing I did was emailed my two closest friends at the time and told them. And one of them was like, I feel like that a bit. And the other one said, doesn't everyone feel this way? <laughs> so, you know, they, they both still identify as women, but I thought that was quite interesting. Um, and one of, one of my friends, she said, this isn't to do with trauma, is it? And I was like, no, this is to do with joy. This is how I, you know, I feel like I'm alive. She was like, okay, good, as long as it's that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I just started looking on Facebook. I found some support groups and um, just started following loads of people. I, you know, I'd only told those two friends initially and then just took my time to work it out and, I was reading about different people's experiences with dysphoria. Um, some people saying like, oh, I don't need to change anything. Excuse me. Um, you know, I, or I might just change my name and otherwise I'm fine. And other people like, uh, oh, I'm in the process of, you know, I've, I've had hormones for this many years. and I'm getting surgery and I was just fascinated and I, at first, I thought to myself, I think I'm just going to change my name and pronouns. And other than that, I'm fine because mm -hmm. I already dressed fairly androgynously. And, you know, I had short hair and liked makeup. So for me, that was already quite a, a mixture of looks. And I was quite happy with that. And then I think about a year later, just over a year later, um, I was getting ready to go to an event in London. I think it was a conference or something and I looked in the mirror and I was like why does this outfit look wrong I'd worn it loads of times it's one of actually one of my favorite outfits and I couldn't work it out and then suddenly it hit me and I was like oh my god I'm the wrong shape and once I realized it completely freaked me out because I wasn't expecting to feel that way and for the rest of that day, I was just constantly kind of um, hounded by all these flashbacks to ways that I, I'd felt growing up that I could never make sense of. And, and it, then it clicked into place. So it's been a long process. And by the time I um, joined my agenda support group, I hadn't been in there for very long. And the owner the original owner of it left 
because he had discovered that he was actually a trans guy and not non-binary and had kind of made me admin and I had barely spoken to him and he just left and at that time I think there was only a couple of hundred of us maybe 300 and I've had that group that support group and grown it and, and nurtured it and now I think it's about 16 or 1700 people in there um and I think there's about 72 countries represented oh, wow. within our members so it's been a long time coming but you know I I learned what I learned in bits and pieces from things that I'd read from hundreds if not thousands of people over over a very long time and had to make sense of it the best way I could because it, it just you know sort of lis- listening to you sort of talk and um this is something that has been um you know going on for you for a while but it it is also something that um goes way way back doesn't it into many cultures and and um you know it it's not as we say, a new trend. It's not something that suddenly sort of sprouted up out of nowhere. Um, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so we can look back and we can see um, trans and non-binary gender identities or their equivalent yeah. um, in many different cultures. So it's not exactly the same thing, um, but there is the two-spirit identity in a lot of the First Nations, and that that to you may be the um, Native America, Northern Americans, and you know that's but that's underpinned in a spiritual way. It's not necessarily non-binary, and it's not necessarily um, LGBT, but mm-hmm. it can often manifest in individuals yep. in that way. Um, I think there are a lot. There are some Scandinavian um, traditions where they have like six acknowledged genders and things like that and we can find people uh throughout history lots of different figures who lived in this way or or thought of themselves in this way and um I don't think it was as as stigmatized in a lot of those places but I think with the right you know with the rise of um kind of white Christian um supremacy or empire um that brought along with it a lot of conformity and a lot of shame when there there wasn't anything like that before it was quite open beforehand yeah and it makes sense to me that when you know it's only it's not yet 50 years since homosexuality was legalized in the UK mm-hmm. It makes sense to me that this is the next step in inequality, because I think, you know, the first step is to say just because you're born with X, Y, Z, you know, genitals, basically, um, it doesn't mean that you're going to love somebody in particular or, or a particular gender. And now I think we're extending to, you know, just because you're born with X, Y, Z, it doesn't mean you're going to identify a certain way. And I think it's important because, you know, there is a bit of confusion sometimes that gender identity is not related to sexual orientation. That's fair enough to say, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I um, my best friend's uh, partner, actually, I haven't met him many times. He's quite an eccentric guy. And uh, I met him at one of their barbecues one day and he'd had a few beers and he said, 
my mate's just come out as non-binary but still has a girlfriend and I was like what what did you expect he was like well I don't know but before we thought he was a bloke but he's not he's non-binary and I was like okay so why what's that got to do with having a girlfriend he said well surely like because blokes have girlfriends I was like no you I said you happen to be a man who's into women but just because you're a man it doesn't wasn't guaranteed that that would be the case and he was like oh yeah (laughs) I was like you know you can be a man and like men and so on and so forth he's like oh I was thought the two were like linked or expected and I thought well not really but I, I think that's the thing and it's only when we start talking about it the penny drops and you go oh yeah yeah I sort of you know now, now it's yeah. explained you sort of tend to understand isn't it and it was a bit like um your your metaphor about um birds now you'll have to sort of fill me in here because I sort of read it and I but birds being representing the feathered species but you you pick me up here because I, I do, do you know yeah. what I'm talking about yeah so so what I'd said was uh, you know explaining about the non-binary and, and transgender terms was that their umbrella their umbrella terms in the same way that bird is an umbrella term yeah got it you. tells us what type of you know animal it is but it doesn't tell us what kind of bird it is so you know yeah. <clears throat> not all non-binary people are the same there are lots of different varieties yeah. In the same way that you get penguins and chickens, <laughs> yeah. you can have agender people and um, gender neutral people, gender queer, you know, there's lots of different types under those headings. So, OK, so as a parent, then, mm-hmm. what is it that we need to do to find out? Because uh, and I think it's really important because you said um you you know in your literature is that it is so important for parents not to put the responsibility on their child to educate the parent it's it's our blimmin job to go and sort of find out what we need to do in order to support the the sort of children so what 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 is it that we need to sort of find out because yes it's such an a, a, a an umbrella term but is is it fair to say that we need to find out as much as we can about how our child wants to identify because they you know we need to understand their sexual orientation or do we or is it you know do, do we just accept or do we try and get as much information and as much understanding as possible i think it's really important that um all of these aspects of ourselves of our children you know of our family is is integrated because if if the only time that your child is kind of supported or acknowledged is in those specific conversations that you're having you know it's kind of like uh you know if you've got a a company and they're advertising maybe in their advertising they've got like a gay couple or um maybe a man wearing really nice jewelry or earrings or something but then by the time you actually go to like look at their website and buy the thing or if you work for the company and actually those values are not not there throughout it's only skin deep 
and I think that you as as one of these you know would be consumers or um perhaps your child it can feel like yes that a little effort was made to acknowledge yeah. but there's not been an integration or an up- updating of culture and I think it's really important to not just think like oh my child this is how they identify but rather like this is how the world actually is you know that they're not they're not um an anomaly like the the human experience you know our attitude to the human experience should include these people they shouldn't be thought of as the exception they should you know their their version of of reality should be just as valued as anybody else's so i think that immersing yourself um and i'm not talking about like everything you watch is mm-hmm. fans or whatever but you know i think like a good a good proportion of your thinking and acting as a family should should be inclusive and and updated and however you do that um is good find out what works for you I think some people love podcasts and and audiobooks other people like to read other people like to get involved in groups and have lots of conversations Um, some people might watch loads of things on Netflix or whatever Um, I think find a way that you enjoy learning about this stuff and make sure that a lot of the things that you're saying and, and how how you carry on from, from this point forward is updated. Yeah, because um, there was one particular mum I'm sort of thinking of and um, her child came out and, you know, she asked me for a bit of advice. This was a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, and I, I caught up with her sort of, about six months later, and I sort of said, well, how, how is it all going? She said, well, after the initial upheaval, um, and, you know, we just had to explain to them that um, we still love them very much and that nothing's changed. And I thought, but that's sort of the safe way for parents, isn't it? Because if a child comes out, then actually everything's changed, surely. Yeah, I, I think I think it should. I mean, <clears throat> I've I've always noted that since I've kind of come out and and been a bit more um, obvious about who I am, and I have noticed that actually people they haven't updated. It's just kind of like the computer program is running, and there's no program for me, so I just get left out altogether. Yeah, you know, my my younger I'm the eldest of three, and my younger sister, the the middle one. Um, you know, she's she's got a child now and, and for a long time people saying, Oh, you know, are you are you gonna become a parent? Like what are your plans? What what are your thoughts and feelings on this? And um all of the people that have asked her, not one of them have asked me, do I see myself as having a family? And it's a little thing, and I, I do don't get me wrong, I do think that women and young women, especially um, you know, under 40 are really pressured, like, you know, are you gonna have kids? And sometimes yeah. it's a bit intrusive. But when you're having a um a real conversation about parenting and the things that matter to you and, and the way you think your life might be, and you're left out of that conversation, but you see it going on around you all the time, that's quite um 
alienating and you can feel very forgotten about so you're you're quite right Kai. I, I think that there should things should absolutely change people's behavior um how open conversations are I think that I think there should be change I think you know saying to your kid like I love you no matter what is is a great place to start it's a lot better than a lot of yeah. children get yeah. you know plenty, yeah. plenty, plenty of them get kicked out of the house or sent to barbaric conversion therapies and that I mean that's just awful so you know it's a good place to start to say I love you no matter what but unfortunately it, it's not enough yeah and 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 so therefore we need to educate ourselves but it, it's it I think it's probably it, not really wanting to uh, um, rock the boat and and sort of just hoping that things it'll be sort of business as usual again. You know, oh, they've got it off their chest and now we can move on. It's quite insensitive, isn't it? Really, in in a sort of loving way. I don't think it's meant to um, be yeah. as alienating as it is. To be fair. Um, oh. So what are the, I know you've got the sort of three key questions that sort of um, parents could think of asking um that their sort of child if they come out so um what 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 are those then what 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 would you suggest as a starting point for parents as a starting point I think you know if your child's come out to you I think first of all just just acknowledging what they've done and, and what courage that took and um that it really shows that they value their relationship with you that they would want to share that I think that that's important but moving forward, um, <clears throat> first of all, asking somebody, you know, what pronouns do you want me to use for you is a really important one. Um, along with pronouns, of course, goes name, like maybe have, have you thought about an another name or, you know, how are you with that? Some people will keep keep the name that they've got, um, although a lot of them do change change it or try out some new ones. Uh, the second one is. Um, privacy so you know who are we sharing this with who who can I talk to about this and and who don't you want to know and you know where where are you with that some people will just be like I'm coming out from now like you you can talk about this as much as you want in fact it would help me if you could like help like talk to the older members of the family so I don't have to do it all on my own mm -hmm. uh, other people might just say you know this is just something I'm kind of exploring privately I'm not talking about it with like school or teachers or something so that's a really important one and also it's important because some of the responses that trans and non-binary people get are unfavorable and can also cause problems like particularly with jobs or with being bullied there's, there's all sorts of things to consider I think when people do come out uh, we need to make sure that it's on their own terms and that mm -hmm. they're prepared for whatever could happen because it's it's not always great, unfortunately. And then last one is support. You know, what support do you need and what support do you have? And, you know, do you feel like um, you have the right people around you and the right things in place for you to come into your own and, and really thrive? and and meet your potential because you know for example may you know if your child went to a very maybe a fundamentalist kind of religious school where yeah. they have um, 
rules and policies against people like them, then there's probably going to be no chance that they're going to be supported or encouraged or nurtured in that environment. Um, I've also coached uh, parents where their co-parent, who they're maybe separated or divorced from, mm -hmm. where one is very extreme in their views and, and not supportive at all, yet they still have custody of an under 18 year old. Wow. And so it's it's managing things like that. And it's also managing things like, um, you know, what's our strategy? How are we going to handle it if it doesn't go well? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, particularly with under 18 year olds, there isn't the same level of autonomy for a lot of teenagers or children. And so I think it's really important to make children feel empowered to take control of the things they they can yeah. and that they do have a right and they do have the autonomy to do so um so how do we support them in doing that harris well it's, it will be different strategies for all sorts i mean there's one parent i spoke to who um you know she was sharing she shares custody with her ex-husband who is remarried and his household is extremely uh fundamentalist and um very bigoted so she has kind of coached her kids to say you know if if you do have to spend time with family members who are not supportive then actually we kind of have to accept it but beyond that like you get to decide uh if like whoever you want is is kind of at your table of trust you know mm -hmm. do they have a seat at your table because you get to decide that it doesn't matter how old you are you get to decide whose whose opinions matter and and who you're going to listen to and you know people have to earn that and that is completely your right as a, as a human being to have control and you know domain over that so how how does if a, if a child doesn't have or if there is a parent who's got a non very unsupportive sort of um, co-parent, what what do, what do they do or is that just you know where is the support for that or is that just a matter of you know each family is unique and has to sort of you know find out their own boundaries or are, are there sort of is the support out there how to handle that because that that. Is that's hard enough for an adult to deal with, but for a, a child who doesn't have that, as you say, that autonomy, that's that sort of can be feel very threatening. It can feel very isolating, very con confusing in a time when they actually need to be buoyed up and and sort of supported. So, what's what's your advice there? It's difficult because you know I think that really. Um, what needs to be done is advocating for that child and other adults getting involved. Yeah. Because, I mean, really to, to belittle anybody in any setting, whether it's at work or school or within your own household, to belittle anybody or, you know, act in a way that is discriminatory or even hate speech, you know, depending on where you are, is illegal. Yeah. Um. So it is it is a serious thing. And I don't think we should be sitting down and, and just saying to our kids, you know, we. There are some things we've got to put up, put up with. You've just you've just got to deal Precisely. with it. I think that's yeah, that's unacceptable. 
so yeah i think i think also in the case of um you know parents who are who are separated um i think it is up to the supportive parent to say to the unsupportive parent like these are the minimums okay these are the minimums that have to be met otherwise we're going to have to have another conversation about custody right yeah fair yeah um but i mean again that that can be really difficult especially depending on like your financial situation um you know some parents might not be on the steadiest of footing anyway so again there's no judgment for, for parents who aren't in a position to do that right away but i definitely think that that's a conversation that should be had and uh also we should be telling our, our kids our young people like the way that somebody's behaving towards you is completely unacceptable yes yes and you have every right to defend yourself against that mm-hmm. um unfortunately there's also like the conversation of safety around like genuine physical danger so um in the u.s in 2020 it was the most dangerous year on record to be trans because we had that many deaths that just i mean and we say that we are a a, a sort of you know a modern and forward-thinking society that's just that, that that's just inconceivable isn't it yeah so I mean, you know, the likelihood is that if you're in a a middle class um, sort of white area, you're more likely to to get a bit of kind of liberalism. But yeah, it, it's not guaranteed at all. Um, and there are hate crimes that still go on to this day in the UK as well. Yeah. So you know, we we do have to take safety seriously. I don't think it. I don't think we should be scaring people. Yeah, fair. But we do need to look out for those um, reactions. And it it is amazing. I've spoken to so many supportive parents who can't fathom that you wouldn't kind of connect with your child having this experience and thinking, oh, my goodness, I have to look after you. Because, you know, occasionally in some cases there are parents or relatives who are like, you know we we can't let this happen and they they're so emotionally um i don't want to say triggered but you know they're something in them is is so set off and yeah. so against um people just being themselves that it it can be dangerous yeah and and not only that i think there are many parents who i think uh, are feel guilty for whatever reason um what did I do wrong? Where did, you know, sort of is my child broken type thing, um, which I think is sort of also particularly hard for a child to witness, to think that they are causing their parents grief or harm. Mm. Um, but also I know I, I know some parents that are struggling with the grief of the future that they no longer feel they might have if that sort of makes sense yeah um and I think that all all of that's natural isn't it I or mean in it? in the current way that we are brought up to believe yes that yes that things are predictable and things only work in a certain way then yes that that grief can happen 
I think it's really important to acknowledge, first of all, that whatever expectation you might have hoped or wished for your child is is nothing to do with them. You know, totally. I don't. Yeah, they did. They didn't pop out the womb, and you didn't like sign a contract between the two of you, like, or maybe you've adopted your kids, but you know, you don't. Yeah, you don't. You don't come up with this agreement like these are the things you're going to do, and these are the things I can expect from you for your life, and that's quite a difficult realization for parents, and often there's a lot of guilt there. But you know, no judgment. Like, you know, we're all we've all come out of very similar places in in our understanding on this which is you know next to zero I, I didn't know anything before um so it's just to acknowledge that those beliefs that you had actually weren't necessarily anything to do with your kid it's know. just something you believe and second of all just because your child is trans or non-binary it doesn't mean that those expectations actually won't still be met anyway totally so, yes for yes. example <clears throat> you know I think in me coming out as um I use the another term I use as trans masculine meaning that you know I'm more towards the masculine end um and people often often assume like you know people like me who are assigned female at birth but you know mm-hmm. when that's not really right for us that you know we must be we must completely hate having like um a hormonal cycle or we hate the idea of like being pregnant and things like that and that's not true for me and there are there are loads of trans dads out there who've had like conceived and given birth to their own children Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know just because your child is trans or non-binary it doesn't mean that they're not still going to biologically have their own children or they're not still going to get married or you know it doesn't necessarily mean anything in particular yeah it's just it's just going to be a different journey isn't it yeah and 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 i think as parents um for for whatever you know for, for all our kids it's a matter of being there to support them in whatever their choices are in however they identify and allowing them i think the space and the confidence to be able to thrive to be the the individuals that they want to be because actually it's got bugger all else to do with us we are you know they're, they're not they're not our possessions are they our children are they are only with us for a short time until they have the wings to fly yes exactly and there's there's really it was funny actually the other week um someone some random stranger got very angry at me on a on a post somewhere someone had said oh you know is this transphobic like how how would you say this so I just gave the information I said oh you know in this situation you might say this this and this like totally neutral really chilled out and this really angry stranger this guy came along and you know he was so angry he's like this is real and like he he was really he was very emotional towards me for given that we've never interacted in our in the history of our lives before and I was just so perplexed and I I thought to myself like logically what is it you're really asking me to do because yes actually I can't change this I, I can't change how I feel or who I am and and what feels right and what I know is right for me like there's nothing I can do about it yes I don't really know what you're expecting and I and I think that's the same for 
for everybody, you know, whatever your your identity is, your sexuality, whatever, you can't change it. There's nothing you can do. Even conversion therapists say, you know, it's very unlikely to work. Yeah. So, you know, our children, I, I mean, and we know this from uh, just getting to know them as individuals, like even re- like regardless of, of these sort of um, LGBT discussions, our children constantly prove to us day in and day out that they're not who we would have them be and that they, yeah. they're on their own path. And, you know, you're only creating a rod for your own back if you are constantly waiting for them to turn into what you want them yeah. to be. It's, I think we're we're on the wrong path and hiding to nothing and we're trying to change our children, I tell you. But, uh, Harris, thank you so much because this has been um, a conversation that I know um, many sort of parents out there are wanting to hear and thank you for getting your message out there. Um, there is lots of information um, available on your website and I shall put the, the various handouts there for people to... Um, not only sort of read up a little bit more, but reach out to you if they're looking for some support that they feel they need. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Kai. It's been Thank a you so much. It was so lovely talking to you and I shall speak to you soon. And before you switch off, don't forget that throughout the month of April 2021, I am offering all my online courses with a 50% discount to celebrate the fact that the Parent and Teen Toolbox has reached the ripe old age of one years old. So when you go into the checkout, don't forget to use the coupon code 5050, F-I-F-T-Y, F-I-F-T-Y. Until next time, much love. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.